0: Every time I do that, it takes Gene off. <clears throat> Is this too loud? It sounds loud to me. Tom, Tommy adjusted it, but he's hard of hearing. Look, Ladies, let's acknowledge that Tommy Hill has done a whole lot of this work today. You'll, you'll recognize Tommy by the haircut. It's okay, you should have seen the other person after the fight. Is this loud enough? Can you hear me? If I speak like this, can you hear me all right? Tommy, I think it's too low. Believe it or not, I don't like projecting my voice. One, two, three, four, five. That sounds okay? Well, this morning, or actually this afternoon now, it's going to be chilly tomorrow. Tonight's getting chilly. So make sure you have on your long johns and all that kind of stuff. This morning, it's the conclusion of our study of the gifts of the Spirit. And so, just as a reminder of these gifts that are mentioned in 1 Corinthians, let's read 1 Corinthians twelve four through 11 together. It's in your notes, so I just... I really just gave you the notes I have. I'm just going to follow. You can follow along with me on these. And as I read the scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11, just want to make sure that we understand that these are not a complete list of the gifts that God gives to his children to be ministering to one another. All the gifts are for the purpose of ministering to one another. There is a list of gifts in other places. And so this would be one of the locations. Romans 12 will be another locations. First Peter 4 will be another locations. Ephesians 4 will be another location. And then they're just scattered comments and examples of gifts throughout the New Testament. So we don't want to read these gifts and talk about, we're not going to talk about them this morning, but having already talked about these nine activities and think these are the only gifts that God gives. These are the, if you would, the most dynamic or superlative or most uh, miracle-type gifts that we know of. And these are the ones that will catch people's attention sometimes more than the others. They necessarily should not. But typically they do. So Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And what he's doing, he's explaining to them the gifts. And he's telling them this in such a way not to discourage them in the use of the gifts. But as we go through 1 Corinthians on Sunday morning, those of you who come to church on Sunday morning, you'll find he's wanting them to use the gifts in an appropriate way. So that the purpose of God in giving the gifts is achieved rather than just... Hey, I have a gift and let me just use it. Let me just use it anyway. So 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. Now there are a variety, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. Now I don't want to go through this word for word. I really don't. But do notice this because this is an issue that sometimes we find among ourselves as human beings. (coughs) I have a particular gift. That doesn't mean my gift is better than yours or less than yours. My gift is given to me by the Spirit. You have gifts, and your gifts are given to you by the Spirit. And God gives these gifts to each of His children as He determines, as He will use them to glorify His name. So, varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and in all. Just one one more comment. I just can't get through this without commenting. You see the three persons of the Trinity mentioned here. In verse 4, the Spirit. In verse 5, the Lord. Who is that? The Lord Jesus. And in verse 6, it is the Father or God. So already Paul is anchoring the, the purpose of the gifts and the power of the gifts in God's Trinitarian nature, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, not for personal good but for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by one Spirit. To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he makes the decision to do that. So what I want to do this morning and I just really kind of want to just flow through my notes as I have them here just to make sure I say what I want to say rather than doing what I normally do is walk around and then hopefully come back to my notes at some time or another. I want to conclude this study the way I began it, by reminding us of God's purpose in the gifts. You've had various people share about the various gifts, and so hopefully that has helped it may have left questions it may not have covered uh, all the uh, gifts because you weren't here sometimes whatever but here's the basic issue i think is most important in this it's why does god give the gifts because god's purpose has to do with touching our motivation to either want the gifts and hopefully we will want them because of god's purpose in the use of them And not only wanting to be used in one of these gifts or more than one of these gifts, but then to pursue the use of these gifts. So each believer has been given, first of all, every person who is a child of God who has been forgiven. Every person who has understood that God has sent his son into the world to pay for our sins. And that God has laid upon his own son all of the sin of all of his people. And that Jesus died at the cross. And when Jesus died at the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. It is a commercial term which means the sin that I'm paying for, which is all our sin, is completely paid for. No one else under any circumstance and in any way can pay for even one sin. In other words, we can't through our good works pay something that we have done to get forgiveness from God. Why? Because you see, the Bible says the soul that sins must die. And so in order for you, if you would to even begin to try to pay for your own sin to make restitution for your own deeds you're going to die because that's the promise of God so we see that Jesus has died on the cross to pay the full price for all our sin to set us free from any condemnation and the person who sees that and understands it and desires I want to be forgiven by God there's that heart desire I receive this. I embrace your work on my behalf. I embrace your work on my behalf. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. That person becomes a child of God because the Holy Spirit is the one who is working that desire, that activity, that decision in us. So when I say each believer has the gift of the Holy Spirit, we began this life of believing in Jesus Christ by God giving us His Holy Spirit. So what does Romans 5, 5 say? For the love of God has been poured out in our lives by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So first of all and primarily the gift of God to each of His children is the gift of His Holy Spirit. Every believer has the Holy Spirit. It's not someone you're going to get. Every believer already has the Holy Spirit. Now, why does God give us His Spirit? I just put two or three things down here. Why does God give us the Spirit? Well, first of all, He gives us the Spirit in order to birth us into the kingdom of God. We cannot come into the kingdom of God unless God, by the Spirit, brings us in. Let me read this scripture to you from John chapter 3, verses 7 to 8. Jesus is talking to a priest, a priest. Now, if anyone understands the things of God, and if anyone can say, I'm God's child, a priest could. I think the priest fulfills the obligations, if you would. But Jesus is talking to a priest. And this priest has misunderstood God's work. Because, you see, he thought that in order to be a person of God, he had to obey certain regulations, participate in certain activities, ceremonies, and then he would hope that he would be a child of God. Jesus said it doesn't work that way. So look what he says in verse 7. By the way, in verse 3, he's already said you must be born again. So in verse 7, he says, don't be marveling that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going to go. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So first of all, how did we become children of God? I became a child of God not because I was, at a, as a child, baptized. All that did is get me wet, and I'm not knocking baptism. I did not become a child of God because I was raised in the church. I did not become a child of God because I went to communion. I did not become a child of God because at the age of 19 I started teaching Sunday school. I've been teaching teaching since I was 19 years old. I'm 75 years old. I did not become a child of God because I became a pastor in this church. I became a child of God because the Holy Spirit changed me on the inside and transformed my desires to want to know God by believing that Jesus paid for all my sin. That caused me his work caused me to become a child of God. All those other activities are fine. But they did not bring me into the kingdom of God. Jesus said you must be born again. And so, secondly, the Spirit in us proves that we are children of God. What do you mean? How do I know I'm a child of God? Romans 8, 16, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God on the inside i know that there's been such a change of fellowship and relationship with god before i just god was over there and i knew something about god and you know a few things here there but then when the holy spirit entered my life when i was born again by the work of the spirit god became a very very close personal intimate relationship and fellowship I began to know this person named Jesus in a personal way. Third, the spirit of God manifests the life of Christ in and through us. John 15:46, Jesus is talking to the disciples, and he says, the counselor, in, in John chapter 14: 15 and 16, Jesus gives the Holy Spirit two or three different titles as to His function. One of the functions of the Holy Spirit is a teacher. One is a paraclete, in other words, a companion. Another is a counselor. These are just the various works or ways that the Holy Spirit moves in us. And so in this particular verse, he's called the counselor. In verse 15, uh, chapter 15, verse 26, here's what Jesus says about the spirit in me, the spirit in you. And listen to this, very, very important. When the Holy Spirit or the Counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. So what is the function of the Holy Spirit in me? He makes the person and the work of Jesus personal and alive in me, and he begins to make the person and work of Jesus alive through me. And this, we'll begin to see, is done partly through the gifts. So what is the Spirit's testimony of Christ? What does the Spirit essentially want to say about the Lord Jesus? The essential and most important thing that he wants to say about Jesus, or at least one of the essential and most important things he wants to say about Jesus is this, he's king of kings and lord of lords. Matthew 28, 18. Remember when the disciples are together with Jesus and Jesus is about ready to be taken up into the clouds. It's 50 days after the resurrection. You remember that? And Jesus says to them what? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go. Go. Now, I didn't put the rest of it there. But what do you think the go relates to? Go and manifest that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me so that your life and your life and your life and your life and my life may be a display essentially that God the Father has sent His Son to pay the price for all our sin at the cross. That Jesus died and was buried and on the third day He rose again And when he rose, he was exalted into the heavens and sits at the right hand of God the Father. And the Father has given all rule and authority to his Son. And that truth of the exaltation of this one who has come as our servant and who is now reigning as our Savior, that truth is to be manifested in us and through us to others, so that others may come to know that Jesus is Lord. So how does the Spirit testify to the exaltation, you know, to the crowning, to the rule of Jesus? There are two particular ways. The first way, or the first way, one way is the Holy Spirit develops in us the very character of Jesus. The very character of Jesus. You'll see that if you were to turn, you don't do it today, but you can look it up. I think I gave you Galatians 5, and 23, the fruit of the Spirit. So how does, how does the world know that Jesus is Lord? By knowing me, by knowing you. How does the world know that? Because I carry a big Bible and I say religious things? Well, no, they're going to run from me at that point. Oh, my word, here's a nut, Right? By experiencing and witnessing and watching the very unique, one of a kind characteristic of God's love. You see, because God's love is not like our love, essentially. Our love is just a little bit like His, but it's so faulty that it really doesn't do a whole lot. God's love is one-of-a-kind love. And when the love of God is spread abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us, remember Romans 5, 5, he doesn't give us his love in order to make my love better. He's not improving my love. That's not his purpose. My love is faulty. My love is going to be self-centered. My love is going to be upset when you don't say something that pleases me, correct? Correct. I'm going to get frustrated when them. I'm going to get jealous. I'm going to get impatient. That's the kind of love because my love is about me. And it's for me. And if me isn't the center of what's happening, what happens to us? Am I the only one who does this? Everybody around here can say yes to that. So God's love in me by the Spirit is given to me, if you would, as a seed and begins to grow as the Holy Spirit continues his work. Not to improve my love, but to displace my love or to overcome my self-centered love for his self-giving love. And so you have that explained. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness, etc. There are nine of these words altogether, eight of them describe love, the fruit of the Spirit is love. So how can I display Christ? The fruit of the Spirit in me displays its character. But there's also another aspect and the Holy Spirit moves in us by the gifts of the Spirit. God gives us gifts for what purpose? To display the person not of Christ's character essentially but through giftings and so we have the gifts of the Spirit that display the ministry of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus. What brought the people to Jesus? Why did these crowds gather? Because he was a man who was walking and working and ministering in such fantastic gifts that nobody else had this. And the crowds were flowing to him. You see, God was bringing the crowds to Jesus through the manifestation of of the Spirit as he gave the gifts to Jesus and operated in the gifts in Jesus and the people were drawn to him. So the ministry of Christ through us as we read this morning in this particular passage. Now this means that each of the gifts of the Spirit is at work, is the work of the Spirit. Each of these gifts, the ones that we have already named this morning in particular, each one proves that Jesus has been exalted. Now i want you to see this we know that the gifts of healing you need to be healed and we pray for you and you're healed and that's great and we are very very pleased about that but what often happens if we're not careful in these gifts that we talked about we will some way center the gift and the purpose and the function of the gift upon ourselves darlene was healed Thank God. Well, thank God, Darlene was healed. She can now, whatever it is that she couldn't before, she's healed. And we praise God for that. But what's the glory that really happened in her healing? That she can straighten up and walk straight again? Let's say she'd been bent over for years and years, and we prayed for her and all of a sudden she could straighten up. What does that show? What what is the essential message? That Jesus Christ is in the heavens with all authority, ruling over all of this earth by the Holy Spirit, ministering through the gifts of his people. So when Darlene is healed or someone has a prayer answer, what should be the most important thing we think of? It proves that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. You see, that's God's purpose in giving the gifts. It proves something about Christ. And he proves himself by the Spirit in ministering to us, his people. So the next time we're praying and someone's healed or a word of wisdom comes out or a discernment or something of the Holy Spirit, and you're speaking in tongues or you're getting interpretation or prophesying or whatever the gift might be, Jesus is among us and he's displaying the glory of God the Father. He's proving that he in fact did rise from the dead. He in fact is sitting at the right hand of God the Father. That's what is happening here. I put in here Philippians 2, 9 through 11. It's Paul's uh, conclusion here about the obedience of Jesus, the exaltation of Jesus. So it says what? Wherefore also God has, what? Highly exalted him and has given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, every what? Tongue shall confess of things in the what? Heavens and things on the earth and things underneath the earth and every tongue shall what? Confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every time we are used in any of the gifts of the Spirit, every time we ask to be used in the gifts of the Spirit, Every time we receive the benefit of one of the gifts of the Spirit, these verses should resound in your mind. Philippians 2, 8 through 11, it's about Jesus. That's the central purpose and the power of the gifts. And this is the motivating force that should drive us to God to say, Father, I want my life to testify about Jesus as it never has before, and I'm asking you to do two main things. Develop in me the fruit of the Spirit and use me in whatever gifts of the Spirit that you would give me. Those two things. Develop the fruit of the Spirit in me and use me in whatever gifts you would use me. Remember when Nicodemus, why did Nicodemus come to Jesus? Remember that? Listen to this verse in John 3 two. Remember, Nicodemus is the most important probably priest, teacher in Israel. He's not the high priest, but he's a teaching priest. And he comes and he says, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Jesus is a rabbi, he's a teacher. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher. We know you came from God. How do you know that? For no one can do these signs, what? These gifts of the Spirit, unless God is with him. That's why Nicodemus came. He experienced the presence and power of God through the words, through the character, and through the gifting ministry of the Lord Jesus. When Jesus ministered the gifts of the Spirit among the people, they knew he was from God, and in the same way, This is what God wants to do with us. So how do we do? What do we do? We close this session by saying this. Understand and know that God actually has given particular gifts to the church, certainly for our benefit and for building up the body of Christ. Why? Why? So that his son may be magnified, honored, and glorified, and displayed as King of kings and Lord of lords among us. So should I desire to be used in any of these gifts? Should you? Do you want to magnify Christ? Do you want to be a better servant? Do you want to glorify God? If you do, then you want one of the gifts, at least one, and perhaps as many as God will give you. Will I pursue the gifts and say, Father, you know, I want to be used in gifting because I want to manifest Christ. I want my, 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 I want my life to prove Jesus is Lord. I want to be used in the gifts. Would you grace gift me by your Spirit? Don't ask a particular one say, I want that one except that one. I don't want that one. No, as the Holy Spirit will. Remember when you were, had your kids and they want everything except those green things? And all your mom was okay. Oh, no, you don't have to eat all that. I just slaved all day. It's okay if you don't want it. No, I made it. You ought to eat it. Now, that, that, that's not a bad rule except for asparagus, but that's another day. Uh, so let's conclude this way. Let's begin on a conscious basis to seek God and to ask him, Father, this day, this week, would you use me in some of the gifts of the spirit? Just tell you this one story. I think I told the Sunday school class this. We had a big old forklift or whatever you call a boon you know, in a house, paint you know the 60 foot thing so they could get to the top of the house so the painters could do that, and they were out there working. And it wasn't going anywhere. And the young guy was, it wasn't doing anything. So I got home and I said, what's happening? It's not working. Well, I being the super spiritual man that I am, got upset. Right? We're going to have to pay all this money for this thing to sit here for two days. And it's not going to be able to use. And so here's my thinking. you wait until Monday morning. I'm calling the business. I ain't paying for this. I've already decided what's going to happen. You didn't know I was this spiritual, did you? Daniel, you didn't know this? Oh, I'm, this is why I'm a pastor. I'm super spiritual. I'm on top of things. And so the Lord says, put your hand on it and pray that it work because these two guys need to see I answer prayer. This is just two, four weeks ago. So I said, guys, I'm going to pray that the Lord heal the machine. Walked over there. I didn't yell and scream, but just, you know, Jesus, however I said it, please heal the machine. What? Whatever. Went back inside, came outside a few minutes later. Mm, it's working. Oh, what a great pastor I am. What a great God is he that he would display the glory of the risen, ruling, returning Savior through us. That's why you want the gifts of the Spirit. Amen? Amen.